I'm a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Amen, amen. Just want to take the time to acknowledge those of you that are watching with us, with us over social media as we start. Um, this is, it's really a mini series. It's not a big series, but we, uh, we're really interrupting our time when we've been teaching on Back to the Future Revelation on End Time Events, just because this is the period of time um, in the year that we as a, as a congregation do our consecration. And so we want to just kind of bring you in to this time with us and have it be a blessing to you. If you would, um, there's information about social media and all the outlet that we have there. So please just want to give you that pitch to um, give you the pitch to uh, connect with us on social media and also to help us be our destiny partners uh, by helping us to help other people experience the difference of destiny. All right. I promise you we'll get back to the pieces on uh, Revelation and that we've been teaching on end time events. That that is that series is nowhere close to being done. Um, but just this time of year uh, is the time when we want to focus in on a few things and just kind of strengthen ourselves uh, for that. So this series on Back to the Future Revelation on end time events is coming soon uh, <laughs> near you. So. You can be confident that we'll come back to that. But right now, we just want to deal with seeking God for 2019. We are in the midst of our 21-day consecration here at, at Destiny Generation. And so there's just some things we wanted to remind and strengthen our people on. This is the handout, of course, that you have received. And, um, and so we just want to just remind you of that, and we'll hit on some of those points here today. Um, seeking the Lord for 2019, uh, four objectives. Number one, to encourage you to pray, plan, and prepare uh, for, for 2019, which you are destined to increase to the best that God has for you. We, we believe that there's a destiny for you. And what the, the revelation that God has given us for 2019 says that we're destined for deliverance, that we're destined for discipleship, and that we're destined for dominion. And that that's that's a progressive destiny, a progressive destiny. Um, it's hard to walk in your dominion if your deliverance isn't what it needs to be. It's hard to walk in your dominion if your discipleship isn't what it needs to be. David was king. He, was, he had a measure of deliverance. He had a measure of dominion that he was walking in. But because there was some lack of deliverance, it actually affected the dominion that God had for him to walk in. That's why you notice that before Jesus did public ministry, he had private victory. Nobody was with him when, him, when he was facing the enemy in the wilderness when he was tempted those 40 days. It was just, it was just a private victory that he had to, to, to attain um, before he did public ministry. And sometimes what happens is we get up to a certain place and these private things that we haven't, they just come out and make a public mess of us. All right? Um, two, to synthesize you to the necessity of spiritual sensitivity and prophetic patterns as the baseline for personal planning. 
So if we believe, for instance, that one of the words that we have for is that God has, that we are destined for deliverance, then if I was you, I would put down, um, I would put down that here's the things, Lord, that I'm believing you to deliver me from. And they might be, they may be hurts. You know, I got this 3-H thing, right? Hurts, hindrances, and habits. They could be hurts, things that's happened to you, people have said stuff to you. And some, you know, words, words wound. You know, people lied to you when they said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words that never hurt me, they was lying. They was lying through their teeth. Words hurt. Don't get it twisted. All right. And so some of that, some of those things are things that we have to be delivered from. The stain of things like that can last. They can listen. You can be fighting against words from people that have been long dead, and they can still be determining your destiny. I, I, was, um, I was listening to one of my mentors talk to another mentor about uh, a, a minister in, in his city, and he asked, he asked my mentor, he said, hey, man, what, what do you think happened with him? And he said, you know, what really, what really caused the failure of the, of the present minister is his father. And that when, his, when he was in the midst of transition, the father would tear down everything he would do. And so he still lives with the ghost of that voice in his head. And it has caused him to make bad decisions. Because he was, he's fighting, he's fighting ghosts that live in his head. <laughs> Dad's long in heaven, long time. You got me? I'm just saying that when we when you have a word that, okay, there's some God gives you a prophetic word, then you begin to take that and personalize it. If God, if there's some deliverance, don't just say, well, man, everybody else needs to be delivered. No, 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 no. I got some deliverance and I want to get mine. Don't just make it for somebody else. You know, um, I have to, ministers have to be careful. Now, I'm just, just talking real straight because, like, I can live, I, I could be deceived by the gift that I have to minister to you and not get the ministry that God wants me to get out of it. The scripture calls it, um, clouds and wind without rain, talking about ministers who are offering deliverance but are bound themselves. Okay? So it could be hurts that you need to be delivered from. But those things are real. You know, don't... When people have emotional baggage, don't act like they ain't carrying nothing. That's, that's you know, just because... It's not a problem to you doesn't mean it's not a problem to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes we think, <laughs> I remember uh, when after, my, after my dad went to heaven, people was telling my mom, oh, you should just be over that now. And I'm like, listen, 
while you rolling over <laughs> with your bro man. You, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you can't, I don't, I can't tell you what it takes to get through what you got to get through. Okay? And so hurts is a real issue. Hindrances is a real issue. Hindrances can be emotional. They can be relational. They can be structural. They can be economic. They can be discriminatory. Hindrances can happen to you in a bunch of different areas. Okay? And um, they are real. And, and so what we want to, we want to understand that one of the ministries of Jesus is his ministry of deliverance. He said he came to preach deliverance to the captives. That's one of his ministry assignments. Jesus is a deliverer, right? One of the things, and I've been kind of chewing on this, and the Lord reminded me of a, a prophetic word that I got from um, Dr. Mark Barkley when I was, I was over at Kingdom of Heaven, and um, he ministered a word, and he, he was ministering to, to me, and then Apostle Lonnie Brown's son, uh, Minister Antoine Brown, and he said, you know, the ministry of deliverance. God wants you. He said, so many, so many people know Jesus the Savior that don't know Jesus the Deliverer. Right? That, that, that there, there are things that you could have had all this time, and in an instant, they can be gone. Right? So hurts, hindrances. I mean... Man, I, I told you the story about how I thought my career was going one day, and then, man, and I was asking God to just move me out, and I got a prophetic word from my bishop, and he said, no, you need to stay there and work through that. And then the person that was giving me the grief, he was gone, and I was still there. And the person I was going to move, I was, see, I was going to fix it. You, now, see, now, see, now y'all trying to play me like I'm the only one. They try to orchestrate their own deliverance. Okay? And so I was going to fix it. I figured out, here's a good guy. He's over there. I'm going to ask him. We're good friends. Why don't you just bring me into your organization? And so the person who I had the plan to move to, God moved and made him my boss and moved the other guy out. I couldn't have, I couldn't have done that. If I couldn't have made that happen if I had planned it on my best day. If I had tried to orchestrate my own deliverance, it would not have been that good. Okay? And so what I'm what I'm telling you is there's stuff that you can be that you can have um, that'll that has been with you for a while, but God can make it move. Man, 38 years at the pool of Bethesda. Right? Waiting for the troubling of the waters. Okay? That there are things that have hindered you, but you can actually believe God, and God can move that thing. Right? And so, um, there, there, there is, there is a, a section of the church that, that 
Um, they want people to believe in a historical Jesus, but not a present day Jesus. Okay. And I'm, I'm just willing to believe and to preach. Because if I, if I don't preach it, your hope stays down here. Well, Pastor David, what if it don't work? What if it do? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So hurts, hindrances, and habits. Habits are things. That, see, part of our prison, right, if we preach deliverance to the captives, we have to acknowledge that some of our prisons were self-imposed. Some of them we locked ourselves into, and even though we got ourselves into them, we can't necessarily get ourselves out of them. All right? Um, Jesus, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Um, iniquities isn't sin. Iniquity is a predisposition to sin. All right? Um, if, you, if you have a family of alcoholics, don't even go to the bar and drink a Coke. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You, you understand what I'm saying? You might have other people can go in and out. You know, they get their little buzz and they gone. Next thing you know, you sloppy drunk. Because there is an iniquity in your family in that area. That's why when you go to the doctor, they ask you, is there any history of this kind of cancer? Is there any history of this? Is there any history of that? Why do they ask you those questions? Because they understand that certain things are inherited. Okay? So I cannot just be delivered from stuff I did. God... The blood of Jesus can take the bruises out of my family line. Okay. I, when we talk about seeking the Lord and planning for the year, we're talking about planning as if the super is going to overwhelm my natural. Somewhere between here and there, the supernatural is going to happen. And God's going to do what he's going to do. Like sometimes, sometimes we get to a point where we only plan to the limit of what we can see and figure. Okay? And I'm saying, no. Let's, let's plan and believe God like something supernatural is going to happen. Sometimes you just, um, you can just make mistakes. I mean, we... We went back and was looking at some things. I mean, that, man, that wasn't the best decision in the world. It wasn't like it was a sin. It wasn't like, you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't a heaven or hell issue. Okay, but it just because, just because it doesn't send you to hell doesn't mean that it won't make your life a, a hell right now. There are certain things you can do that will lock you up. You can make bad decisions. And there and you can be sincerely wrong. <laughs> With all the sincerity you had, and you just made you you had a fork in the road and you took the wrong road, you took the wrong fork. 
But what I want you to grasp is even in the midst of that, I can look back at some of those things and be like, man, I, man, we, we could have done that one a little different. But he'll get you out of that one too. Even if my prison is self, self-imposed, some, some of it was, was just me falling off the wagon. Some of it was just me exercising what wisdom and knowledge that I had, but it was just limited. It was wrong. I didn't know. I, I, I walked in the light that I had, but I didn't have enough light. You know, hindsight is always 20-20. Okay? But when, when you're planning... I want you to plan this year like, oh, Jesus, the deliverer is coming to my house. He's coming to my house. He's coming to my children. He's coming to my family. He's going to turn some stuff around. All right. Um, So that was number two. Three, to reemphasize the purpose of prayer and planning, that is the ability to act on time with purpose in line with the will of God in such a way as to maximize your life and kingdom contribution along the destiny path, right? So when we take all of this time, um, you know, deliverance, when you've been living with something for a long time, it can be hard to see yourself beyond that. That thing been on you for a minute. It can be hard for you to even imagine yourself past that. Man, I, I can remember getting into a situation in, in uh, school where I was just, I was, I was traumatized and terrified. I was traumatized and terrified. And I had a mental blockage. And I could not see beyond it. I couldn't see beyond the block. Actually, if you really want to know the truth, apostles' faith carried me over because I couldn't see beyond it. It wasn't because I wasn't trying. It wasn't because I wasn't praying. I just couldn't see myself beyond it. But one day, I don't know, like, if you ask me to look back on a calendar, when it lifted, I can't tell you exactly when. I can tell you roughly the season, but I couldn't tell you the day. But one day, it was like, clean, there was light. And and I was just, stuff I couldn't do the day before I could. You understand what I'm saying? I just want you to have a sense that there may, like, God can come to you in an area and give you an instruction where you feel like, I I can't try that again. And then if he tell you, you do it because your deliverance is in the doing. Okay? And so I just, I want you to be encouraged in that regard, all right? And then finally, number four, to prepare us to properly respond to key opportunities to increase through internalizing prophetic impressions, connections, characteristic, 
characteristics and empowerments and outcomes related to your destiny. So we we want to take that as that impression. Like, God, you want to do this. I want to internalize like deliverance is coming for me. Um, you're going to connect me with people to disciple and to be discipled. Right? Um, I'm, I'm going to, in things that God gives me as characteristics, that there's an empowerment in my life to go in and walk in dominion. And I'm going to believe and receive outcomes in 2019. All right? Um, so Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. This is a, on your, your handout. Um, and it says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. Lord, 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 that'll preach right there. And he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no comfort food. It says pleasant, it says Pleasant food, but that's what that that's what that's saying. He didn't say he didn't eat something to sustain him. He said that that he didn't eat no food that made him feel good. Um, no no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Daniel said, he said, hey, okay, three whole weeks. He, 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 didn't, he, didn't, uh, he didn't cut it short. He didn't, he didn't play with the numbers. Okay. <laughs> he, he, got his, he got his three full weeks in there. Okay. Um, he didn't say he didn't eat, but. You know how you frustrate it, and then you there's something that you can just eat it and you'll just feel better. He didn't do that. <laughs> See, this is why you know when we talk about deliverance, like I want us to be real practical about deliverance, because just because my issue is not yours, don't say my issue is not real. You know what I'm saying? I mean. We, we can't, we got to be careful looking at people out there and say they ought to get over it. But you got your own little private thing. You just, you, you got your little private demon at the house. You know, he done moved in. He got a room. You know? <laughs> he do chores. You know, he take out the grass, take out the garbage, cut the grass, wash the dishes. He just with you and he okay because ain't nobody tripping on you. You know what I'm saying? Because he's socially acceptable. Ain't nobody mad at you, okay? But that doesn't mean that it's right just because you have gotten comfortable with it and ain't nobody tripping on you. Does that make sense? And so, um, like, that's why you, you, you just, there's scripture that says that you can be Drunk on wine, alcohol, drunk on food, and drunk on worry. I'm gonna show you that in our deliverance series. I'm just keep getting letting you. I'm just saying there are things some people like they feel like worry is, you know, like you know, 
They're not a warrior. They're a worrier. <laughs> you know, they feel like they are anointed by God to just worry. Okay. But, but Jesus, the scripture says, be anxious for nothing. Okay. And so just because you don't have the one doesn't mean that you're not getting a buzz off of the other. Okay, and so um, in this season, you know, comfort food, you know, I I have to realize, it's me talking to me now, social media stimulates me. It's like... For those of you there, that was my wife with the loud amen, okay? (laughs) When I was a child, I could be two feet in front of the television, and my mother would be in another room screaming out my name, but once I had locked in, I couldn't hear her. Now I carry it around with me in the palm of my hand. Okay, I have to deal with that. That's that's a stimulus. Though it's not, you know, nobody would look at my system and say that I have violated some kind of drug test. But it's clearly producing a hormonal response. I can't be ignorant that something is happening to me. Kids are sitting around, you know, just because theirs is a Fortnite game, okay, or some other thing that they're doing on an iPad, doesn't mean that it's still not a real stimulus that's doing something that is addictive, okay? And so um, when we when we think about coming away and coming towards God, we have to begin to deal with these things like, man, it's like, man, there's so much quiet in the house. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, I didn't have the revelation when the old saint said, way down yonder by myself and I couldn't hear nobody pray. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't quite have the revelation of what they was talking about. But you can be, you got to be careful, right? That there are certain things you just get, you get used to a certain amount of noise. You get used to a certain, and you, I mean, you start going through some changes. All right. So um, seeking the Lord in this time frame, restricting ourselves um, from things that satisfy the flesh. Now, clearly there, the flesh isn't just a physical body um, because some of these things aren't physical per se. You know, there's a stimulus, but it's, and it's still a hormonal response to it, but it's not like, it's not just eating food. It's not just ingesting, is what I would like to say. Does that make sense? But the need to, 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 Restrict yourself to the point where you can flow and hear God and and calm down and deal with 
deal with the the flesh's response. The why, you know, that baby just like, I gotta have my way. And and get through that. Get through the negotiation. If I can't have all of this, can I just have this much? <laughs> you know, the flesh will try to negotiate with you. Okay, can I, you know, we can't have it all, but can I just get this? <laughs> I mean, if I can't, if I can't have my favorite show, can I just watch the news? Can't be wrong, it's news. And you know, the flesh will always try to walk you down. Come on, we got to give me something. It'll, am I the only one in my flesh trying to negotiate with me? Okay. All right. So um, we have to be okay with not being okay while we're in this period. Because some of the reward will come after it's over. All right. Isaiah 58, we'll read verses 1 through 12. Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our soul and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure right? That's the thing. I got to be careful that my soul doesn't find another outlet for pleasure. And exploit all your laborers. What was it talking about exploiting your laborers? That was talking about when you fast, you get cranky and then you just get mean to people. That's what that... <laughs> Pastor David, yes, you get cranky with folks. You snapping on people. Verse 4, indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? All right. So some level of this pleasure is intentional. If there is no displeasure, you're probably not fasting. It's a day for man to afflict his soul. All right? Uh, is it to bow down his head like a bulrush, to bow yourself down like a plant's bowing down? That means it shouldn't be pleasant. And to, and to spread out sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes is a sign of mourning. All right? Would you call this a fast and acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. Okay, so in the fast, I should be working, I, I should be intentional about breaking things that had, had me bound. All right? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your, your house the poor who are cast out? All right? So in a fast, 
I was just noticing, um, I can tell we've been fasting because it was garbage today and there wasn't much. <laughs> okay. Hey. Usually it's a bunch of boxes of places we'd have been here and there, but just, it just wah, wah. <laughs> But the scripture says you're not done just by you not eating, it's to find somebody and then to find some way to help somebody else. A fast includes not just you restraining from you, but finding somebody else who is in need and then and assisting them. That's, that's, that's the implication here. All right? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. That's talking about your own flesh and blood. So family issues, you know, now's the time to deal. Verse 8, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your health shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Sometimes you'll hear me make that as a part of the confession. The glory of the Lord is your rear guard. That's where we got that from. Verse 9, then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he shall say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the pointing of the finger, blaming other people, the pointing of the finger, I'm in this situation because of you, whoever the other folks, whoever you call the you, all right, and speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light sh shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as a noonday. Your light shall dawn in the darkness. So you can be, it can be dark, but dawn, light is progressive. In 2 Peter, it talks about light shine in a dark place, a day dawn, and then the day star or the noonday sun arise in your heart. So he's talking about light being a progressive. Light's going to come to your situation, and then what was before as darkness will be as noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Verse 12, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called to repair the breach the restore of streets to dwell in. So not only um, will you walk in deliverance, but, but as a part of the fasted life, what we here call community impact, you'll have greater capability to, to touch and impact others' lives, right? So that's on the handout, but I'm preaching it to you because I want you to be in faith for those things to manifest in your life and in your situation. Amen. All right, um, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Are you getting some out of this? Amen. I, I know like a handout just won't do what preaching will do. Not even for the preacher. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. God cleans your clock even when you're preaching it. Did you know that? Yeah, he does. Okay, I'm just saying. 2 Chronicles 20. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and with others 
with, and others with them beside the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. God is a God of deliverance. They understood that. When stuff came to them that they couldn't fix, they trusted that God would deliver. Verse 10. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. They wouldn't let, God wouldn't let them um, take their land because they're cousins. Ammon and Moab is, is Lot's descendants who is Abraham's nephew, and Mount Seir is the Edomites, or Esau. So these were their cousins. So God said, no, you can't mess with them. They're your cousins. You got covenant. But they, they, they broke the covenant. Now, verse 12, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. For those of you that have heard me teach on um, the Psalmist Training Institute, the sons of Asaph were the ones that prophesied according to the order of the king. So there was a generational anointing, and this was the prophet in Jehoshaphat's generation, like his fathers had been in David's generation. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, what verse was that? 14. Okay, verse 15. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. So stop there for a second. Um, notice that um, there was a time of assembly where they sought the Lord together in the midst of a fast. 
okay? There was corporate prayer and fasting. Everybody did it. Nobody was exempt. Everybody participated. And um, they sought together. They acknowledged the historical God, right? God, you gave this land to Abraham. Well, Christ is in you, you Abraham's seed. Whatever God's given you, he's given to you as the seed of Abraham too. Right? God, I got, I got issues. But what did Jesus say about the woman who was bowed over with the spirit of infirmity 18 years? She's a daughter of Abraham. Aren't she not to be healed? Okay, so you could take that same thing and say, Lord, you owe me a deliverance. And you don't, you're not cocky, but you're just saying, God, here's something. Here, here is, owe oh, me is too, too, too strong. God, you have committed and covenanted to us. You gave us this by covenant. We're the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. The promise to bless us, to deliver us. Right? And here, look at this situation. Look, look at this hurt, hindrance, and habit that has tried to take from me what you said is rightfully mine. Won't you judge this situation? All right? Now, Jehoshaphat was leading the prayer, but the answer didn't come through Jehoshaphat. That's why we need to have a church um, that flows in spiritual giftings. Okay? Now... The person who spoke was a person who was a recognized prophet, but it wasn't the pastor, okay? Now, it wasn't done until the pastor sanctioned it, but once he did and then he celebrated, okay, we have heard from God, bam, right? But the word of wisdom... Here's the word of wisdom. Go out against them. Here's the word of knowledge. This is where you're going to find them. You're not going to have to fight, but you're going to have to go out. It's going to take an action of faith to stand for this thing, but you, your light shine. You got, you got the answer. It was looking dark. God has given you an answer, but if you step out in faith on the answer that God gave, you'll see the deliverance. Okay. Verse 19, then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God. You shall be established, believe as prophets, and you shall prosper. And, of course, we use that for our, 20, our leadership conference. That's the key scripture. Now, verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sat ambushes, against the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come up against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah 
came to the place overlooking the wilderness. They looked toward the multitude, and they were there, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Beraka, um, which is blessing, for they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the place was called the valley of Beraka unto this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with string instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord, fear of God, was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the, the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for, for his God gave him rest all around. All right, God gave him peace for his trouble, right? Uh, you can get to a certain point, and then um, people recognize they just need to leave you alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I'm always believing for. Like, if I got to go through this, Lord, I want you to do something that the next person that want to mess with me, remember what happened to the last person. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about this uh, in one of the men's thing and how, um, you know, the scripture about Daniel and the lion's den, how there were 120 um, um, leaders over them with three leaders. Daniel was one of the three. There was three. There was 120, which means each one had 40, 40, and 40 reporting to them. And then those three reported to the king. And then the king said he was going to make Daniel the, just report to him. Those two report to Daniel, and then each one of those people would have 60 reported to them. And the scripture says all 122 conspired against Daniel. And they, but there was no fault or error in him. And they said, we can't they counted on him breaking the law to worship his God. So they wrote the law, and then they sat at his house waiting for him to violate it. Now, if that's the testimony, Lord, let it be said that if, I, if I'm going to break a rule, it's only because I'm breaking it for my God, and my enemies can count on me to do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. right? So Daniel... King put him in the thing. He couldn't break his law. He was trying to break it, but in his day, he had to rule the law. He could, even though he was king, he understood that the law was even more important than a king. I wish our president understood that, but that's a story for a different day. Okay. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, but anyway, he, he, he recognized, they said, nope, king, you, you made the law. According to the law of the Medes and Persians, and the rule of law is even more important than you and the king. So put him in there, put a seal on the lion's den, and uh, Daniel slept all night. Ever seen those pictures with him sleeping on the lion? I don't know if it was like that. Um, <laughs> 
Scripture don't say that, so I don't know. That's some artistic interpretation. But king comes in the morning, Daniel is the God who you serve. Even the king knew he served God. His enemies counted on him to serve God, and the king knew he served God. Was the God that you serve able to deliver you? Yep, the king, the God I serve delivered me because there was no fault in me before God, and there was no fault in me before you, king. So the king takes those same 122 people, their wives and their children, throw them into the lion's den, and before they hit the bottom, in other words, <laughs> they, they, were, they were having legs and thighs before they were having breasts, I'm just saying. Because <laughs> they, they were eating them from the bottom up. All right, that's what your Bible says. Now, see, that's awful gory, but that's what your Bible says. Now, the king then writes a law. Everybody's going to fear before the God of Daniel. Now, when the king replaced those 122 people in the King David version, Daniel had no more problem. There was no other scripture that anybody in his organization ever challenged them ever again. Why? Because the last thing was so bad, nobody else even, they didn't even want to mess with him. No, you, <laughs> you know, see, it, when it's like that, rumors get around the organization. Do you know what happened to the last person that, no, y'all leave Daniel alone. Everybody was saying, yes, sir. Whatever Daniel told them to do, they did it. <laughs> His job got real easy. Okay. So that's what the scripture is telling us in this scripture that, we can get to a point where God deliver you from certain things and your deliverance be so strong that the enemy won't even challenge you in that area no more. Did you? You understand that? Okay. I, I'm just one that just looks at it and say, well, God, if you did it for them, you can do it for me because you know respect your persons. All right? So in your handout, we said, what, what, do, um, what do we expect when we reward based on Isaiah um, when we fast, what rewards or results do we expect? We expect revelation, God illuminating situations, principles and paths, accelerated health, manifestations of your help coming quickly, favor going before you, God raising up someone somewhere to help you, answered prayer, responses to petitions, intercessions, and faith requests, supernatural acceleration along the destiny path, clear guidance and direction, confusion in the camp of the enemy, battles fought before we arrive, and rewards and spoils in answer to our faith and praise. All right? And that, that's, that's on your, your, your fast handout. So just know that there, those are the things that, that you should be believing for in your situation. God, I got some battles here. I'm just believing all right? I'm not just doing away with food. I'm not on a hunger strike because I don't feel like striking. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm believing for to manifest in my situation. All right? Uh, four, four types of prayer related to destiny. Um, four types of prayer related to destiny. The first one um, is inquiry prayer. God, what, what do you want to do in my life in 2019? Don't guess, find out. 
God, what do you want to do? Right? That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. God, I want you to tell me. Right? I'm seeking you for this year. The prayer of inquiry is used when you don't have the mind of God on a matter. Some, some stuff you just don't know the answer to. I'm asking the question. I am inquiring of the Lord. That's inquiry prayer. I don't know what to do. On the other hand, some prayer is what I call invitational prayer. I know it's an invitation because you know what God's will is, um, but there seems to be a delay. And then sometimes in invitational prayer, you have to travail, right? The scripture says, Daniel chapter 10, Daniel said, the message was true, but the time appointed was long. Lord, 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 that'll preach right there. I know I heard God. Man, this was, this is not how I drew it up. Right? You know what I'm talking about? And so, invitational prayer, some things you have to, you have to birth in prayer. Right? They knew that God was going to send them a Messiah, but Anna and Simeon were birthing it in prayer. They were interceding. They were calling on God. God, I know you want to, God, I know you want to turn things around in the city of Flint. I know people have written us off. I know. I know they think nothing good can come from this place. I know they don't think, they think that they should, they should just write us. <laughs> I got mad. Steve Harvey, much love, man. But then he was telling folks, y'all should just, and then he was making a joke. And I'm like, listen, man, this ain't no joke to me. Now I can laugh with you. I can watch Family Feud and all that other stuff, man. You know, you know, but this, this is my city, man. This ain't no joke. That's not a joke. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, so I know what they say, but God, they don't have the last say. So I'm going to spend time praying and inviting him in to my situation, to my family, to my neighborhood, to my city. God, we need you to do something. You know, and these are tough things. Um, you know, I, I, I talked some and an apostle minister. See, economic things are difficult, not because they're difficult for God, right? Remember, remember the story about the, um, the, the woman whose children were being turned into creditors. My husband was a servant to the, to, the, to the man of God, and my servant is dead. And see, they had debtor's prisons where they would come and get you and your kids. Praise God. <laughs> 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 Pastor David would have a record if they had debtors' prisons in the U.S. I'm just, <laughs> that might be a felony, okay? <laughs> I'd have a record. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, but then 
He said, what do you have in your house? Nothing save this pot of oil. Okay, go borrow pots. Borrow not a few. Okay, she made her situation worse because she got more debt. She was already in debt, but if I'm borrowing pots, I have just went from being this amount of debt into this amount of debt, didn't I? Now I only owe a few creditors. Now I know everybody in the neighborhood who gave me a pot. Okay? Take the oil. Now this is where the supernatural happens. This is where God multiplies. Take the oil you have and pour it into the pots that you now have. Okay, but God had to give her the insight that this is the thing that you can multiply and sell. Okay, why? Because, see, it's one thing if it's just you and God, but, but people in the market are finicky. I buy one thing from you because you're my friend, but I ain't keeping supporting your business just because we friends. See, that's why, remember when I talk about the nuances of faith and economics, see, there's nuances. That, see, that, that's why this thing, like, customers are deciding that they want more trucks than cars. I get that. You know what I'm saying? People like, man, they like, they like the little SUVs, the crossovers. Okay? And, and, and things are shifting and people are shifting. Okay? Um, it's not that God can't do something supernatural, but like God is forgiving, but people aren't. You bought her, you, 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 you bring the wrong product. People look at you <laughs> and they'll give you one just out of pity, and then they they won't even answer the phone the next time. Okay, so God has to give you wisdom, right? All right, so we know God wants to do something in our city. Listen, I believe that God wants to do something major economic in our city. And I believe that this church will be a part of it. And I sound crazy. If all you was looking at is, was what was in the natural. But we, we believe that there's a supernatural God. You know, I... I I was studying this one time, and the Lord said to me, see, people think they're going to just get away with, like, doctors are behind the opioid crisis. Y'all did know that, right? You did know that, that they are writing prescriptions to get you hooked because when you get hooked, you got to come back and get another prescription. You did know that, didn't you? Okay. And what the Lord said to me, he said, he said, David, I prospered the fisherman's business supernaturally. But when it came to the madman of Gadara, he destroyed the pig farmer's business. Jesus destroyed it. Remember when he said, I need to find a place to go into when he cast them out. And Jesus let him get in the pigs. <laughs> Jesus destroyed their business. 
And he didn't say, I'm sorry. He didn't repent. He didn't give him any reparations. He didn't do nothing. He destroyed their business. Now, why did he destroy their business? Because there shouldn't have been a Jewish pig farmer. Pigs were unclean. They shouldn't, they shouldn't have been. Remember, the prodigal son had to go to a far country <laughs> to feed the pigs. He was saying there shouldn't be a pig farmer in Israel. And he destroyed his business. Now, some of these people think they can just get away with stuff. No, I believe Jesus is going to be destroying some folks' business. I'm just saying, grasp, grasp that. He blessed one whole business and a businessman, and he destroyed the same anointing, the same burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God, the same anointing destroyed a business. I believe Jesus is going to come for it. Like, you know, there was a big thing recently where there was a ring of, of doctors that had made millions of dollars in the Detroit area just recently, last couple months. Man, you know, we need to be believing God that some of these things get exposed and some of these people get called out. You know what I'm saying? Because, see, if it's your kid, orange will be the new black. And they had their orange jumpsuit, and they'll come get them. But they're living in big houses. It ain't happening in their neighborhood. But they still, they still running it. We just getting the foot soldiers, and the generals are still there making money. But just because you don't know where they are don't mean Jesus don't know where they are. Okay. So we want to do invitational prayer where we invite God, where we travail and birth things in prayer where the thing is true, but the time is long. God, I'm inviting you as a representative of this church. That's why you don't, you know, when apostles preaching, oh, yeah, I want to open up. I want to pray because I don't think prayer is something that I delegate to everybody else. And that's above me, or I'm above that. You understand what I'm saying? There's some people that think like that. No, you don't understand what prayer is. If you're the person with the highest rank, that's you need to be the one. Like I'm, 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 I'm the head, and I'm calling orders from headquarters. That's why we're teaching men to pray as as the head of their homes. I want you to know how to call in help from heaven. All right. Invitational prayer. Inclinational prayer. Inclinational prayer, there's a time when I know God's will, but I'm not yet willing. Then I'm praying to get my will lined up with his. That's inclinational, right? We ask God to incline his, his ear to us, but more times than not, we need to incline our heart to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord, let me incline my ear to, to your mouth. Because you saying stuff, and then some stuff you tell me I don't really want to hear it. How, how many times, how long do you have to pray inclinational prayer? Where, well, Jesus was perfect, and he needed to pray three times to get his will. So I think your number probably should be higher than three if you're really struggling. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. It, it, it took him a while 
in the midst of all of his perfection to get his will aligned. And so I have to be okay that it may take me some time to get myself in line. All right? Um, if, if you aren't yet willing, be willing to pray the inclinational prayer. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Don't run from God. Run to him and tell him, Lord, this, one, this, one's, this one's a struggle. All right? This one's a struggle. I'm not yet willing, but I'm willing to be willing. And sometimes you have to start with, God, we just, we're going to have to wrestle with this one for a while. If Jesus wrestled to the point of sweating blood so that he wouldn't disobey God, we shouldn't be surprised if there isn't some time where we have to wrestle with our own wills to get in alignment with God. Amen? And the, first, and the fourth one is intercessory prayer, all right? Intercessory prayer. got a definition for intercessory prayer. An intercessor is one who goes to God on behalf of another, fueled by the compassion of Jesus, or one who confronts demonic encroachments on behalf of another. Intercession is going to the one who has the answer on behalf of the one who has the problem. So being willing to step into situations for people. And in our, in our calculus, we say intercession isn't just going to God to get the answer, but also dealing with the demonic opposition to the answer. All right? Um, we have to be okay with taking our authority and binding the devil, binding the enemy. There are some people... Uh, you're going to make the devil mad. The devil already mad. He's already going about seeking whom he may devour. Okay. We just have to tell him, no, you may not devour here. All right? And so we have to be people. We have to be people that are willing to, um, willing to go forward and deal with um, the issues and the challenges that we face um, and be okay with, with what, is, what is Ephesians 6 says. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but he didn't say we didn't wrestle. Some people say we don't wrestle against flesh and blood and say then, therefore, there's no wrestle. Right? Jehoshaphat didn't wrestle against flesh and blood, but, but be clear, his praise and worship was wrestling. Their worship clearly was wrestling because it was in the midst of their worship that the enemy began to ambush themselves. So clearly what they were doing was creating a dynamic in the spirit realm that caused things to change in the physical realm. All right. So um, I think that's as far as what I want to go to today. Um, did this bless you?